The other day, I was going through a spreadsheet we've been maintaining, which has a bunch of miscellaneous data about our podcast. This particular spreadsheet tracks things like our topics, schedule, recording dates, release dates, and who participated in some other mildly interesting stats. For example, from the 172 episodes we've released so far, uh, this one you're listening would make it 173, the first 94 of them were recorded on site, uh, with all of us in an actual room. Uh, then I moved across Canada, and instead of quitting the show, we changed to our remote recording format. Since then, we've released 78 episodes, which is 45.34% of the total amount. Other data we have, for instance, is episodes with guests. So far, we've had a total of 32 episodes with guests, which is an 18.60%. Although, some core members of the BB crew became guests later and some guests became core members, so there is some overlap in there. Shelby, for example, who is of course part of the BB crew, actually started as a guest back in episode 88. And then we quickly realized how good she would fit in the show and we convinced her to become a core member starting from episode 90. Up to her joining the crew, all of us personally knew each other outside of the show, but Shelby, we got to know through the show. Shelby added to the show something that none of the other members could add. She's much younger and grew up in a different area of video games, has a different taste in games, and also by being a female has experienced, for better or for worse, unique interactions that are part of the gaming world but are often not looked closely enough. On this episode, we talk about growing up, being a female gamer, an animation student, a professional game developer, and a podcaster. I'm Seiji, and this is Bonus, Bonus Battle, Episode 3. your first gaming memories <laughs> first gaming memories uh i think was probably when uh oh my mom and my stepdad first got together and uh and they had uh my brother so i was maybe like five or six years old um and my mom had still uh held on to like her uh nintendo and i don't think we or nintendo entertainment system sorry so the nes and we didn't have a super nintendo for a while or at least uh, I don't remember having one for a while after that because we always got systems really late or when they were uh, cheaper, I guess, because we didn't have a lot of money back then. Uh, so first gaming memories would have to be um, the first Super Mario Bros. and like the second and the third one. We used to also have somebody uh, who actually turned out to be our babysitter a bit later on uh, who lived in the apartment under us 
who sometimes we would go downstairs and, and play there. Or we'd bring our parents, like, uh, or bring my mom's Nintendo downstairs and play there. But yeah. I'm sort of assuming here that there was, for a very brief time, mm -hmm. uh, some era before video games, and then video games came to your life. Yeah. It, it's not that my sister and I played it, like, a lot, a lot, but I think we played it more than what my parents wanted us to. Because uh, I do remember we used to have, like, a set time where we had to go outside and play. And if we were not outside during those full, like, however uh, long my parents set for us, uh, then when we got back in, we couldn't uh, we couldn't play games or we couldn't watch TV or any of those things. So I think that kind of impacted us in that we were always kind of thinking about it, even when we were outside. Because even when we would go outside, we would start pretending like, oh... Like when we got our Nintendo 64 and I had told my story on the show about, you know, trying to get the most out of a game and then my sister playing with her Barbies and trying to make up a story with uh, with Ocarina of Time uh, as I was playing it. Uh, when we went outside, we would try to do our own thing. Like, oh, I would pretend to be Link. My sister would, you know, pretend to be whoever. Uh, usually <laughs> she was a bit, uh, I guess, a bit later to get into it than I was, but I was like fully into it. And then when my brother was old enough to start playing games, he started playing games too. Yeah, it's all kind of a blur, I guess, but I can kind of remember uh, certain things there. You said something about set times and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What kind of schedules do you remember having for, for video games? Um, okay, so I know on the weekends, it was a bit more lax. We could get away with playing a bit more. Uh, but especially during the school week, as soon as we got home, it was do your homework, uh, you know, and then we would eat supper and then it was go outside and play. And then before we got in, maybe half an hour, an hour before bed, we were allowed to play a little bit, but it wasn't for very long. Um, and my parents weren't as strict with my sister and I as they were with my brother. And I think it's also because we were just in general better students. And that's not a knock on my brother. It's just like uh, <laughs> knew what to do better. And him, it was just games, 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 like from the get-go so my parents ended up having to put like uh, a bit more of a ban on him when playing games so he wasn't allowed to play anything during the week do you think that was a good thing i don't <laughs> i i think if they would have just done what they did with us which was put i guess a limited time on it instead of just completely getting rid of that in general because regardless of whether they put a restriction on him he still managed to get around it and play games like whether that was getting up really late at night and turning the volume all the way down on his tv uh and playing games because i do remember certain times uh I, I could hear him shuffling around and he was making a lot of noise and i'm like oh my gosh so i would go into his room and tell him to, to shut up because i was trying to sleep but then he was just playing games so i'm like all right and also if he would do something bad at school let's say like he did do his homework my parents sometimes would say oh well I'm taking away uh, your Xbox for the weekend. So they would take the Xbox, hide that one part somewhere, take uh, the power cord, hide that one part somewhere. And so my sister and I would be home with my brother and then he would just go hunting for the pieces of the Xbox and put them together and play the game like when he could. Uh, and as a sibling, I didn't feel uh, right like ratting him out. So we usually just let him play because we felt bad for him too. Like, oh, that sucks, you're grounded. Like, you can't play games, so, uh, so I guess, yeah. <laughs>
you mentioned earlier your your mother was the uh, the one who brought game yeah. into your life. Um, do you remember playing with her or, or playing with your parents? Uh, back when it was just me and my sister first playing games and my brother was born, my mom, if we were playing the Super Mario Bros, she would get us through because she knew how to play that. She would tell us like little secrets like, oh, if you, at the end of this level, if you run super fast, you'll go behind the black screen and you'll end up somewhere else. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, I guess a lot of time uh, after her telling us about that, a lot of time was spent just looking for secrets in the game. Yeah, and I think uh, later on it kind of tapered off. Like, I do remember my dad, uh, when we got our PS2, he was, uh, he liked playing hunting games, like the Cabela's, like, stuff like that, and like fishing games that came out. And also we had our computer, and the first game that we played on that was Grand Theft Auto Vice City. So I do remember playing that game. That was like my first, like, super violent uh, video game to play, because, you know, you can just go around and kill anybody you can walk up somebody on the street and like kill them it's horrible but as a kid it's probably really bad to 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 see but <laughs> it happened and we're not horrible people at least i don't think so anyway not from that anyway uh yeah. Did your parents were aware of of that yeah but i think they saw it more as like a cartoon violence versus you know something that we would take as real which we didn't we knew that it was wrong uh, to do those things in real life, but in a video game, it was okay to do kind of thing. As a girl growing up and later on, like in gaming, mm -hmm. right? Like, how do you think that was different? Different kind of games, different, different types of, of playing styles. Yeah. So during like the, the high school phase, there was a couple of years where my sister was still living at home and she, uh, she was not a, an online multiplayer, like player. She didn't game online at all her she focused mainly on you know single player campaigns and stories and stuff like that the only time she'd ever go online was if it was an online co-op game where she could play with her friends or i think for a while uh her and her boyfriend played i think it was called maple story which i think is an online game isn't it it's an mmo yeah yeah i think as long as she had somebody there like i don't think she would ever go on and play on her own i think she has to have Uh, you know friends to do it Cause she's also a bit shy i guess and not as outspoken so i think if she encountered somebody like that online or like a troll or something i don't think she'd know what to do <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and that's not because uh that's not saying like she's dumb or anything it's just literally because i don't she's never encountered it in those experiences on on your own like when they first happen you're just kind of like oh my god like why can people uh get away with being this horrible to each other because uh, I also uh, in high school I played a lot online with my friends I never went on and did it uh, on my own unless they were there too but I had a lot more uh, multiplayer experience I think than my sister did mm. uh, but that's uh, I only started going on with friends once I realized that if I went on my own and I started talking to people like uh, I think I had mentioned on the show that sometimes if I'm playing a multiplayer game and um, I'd have my mic muted for a little bit and then if I got you know comfortable with the people that we were playing or you know they somebody was comfortable giving directions and they included me in that uh, probably assuming that I was uh, a guy but as soon as I started talking usually one of two things would happen either everybody would leave the, <laughs> the thing or uh, I would get called out for being uh, A female gamer and that was usually not very fun either way uh, but it's usually like you know the sandwich joke start or the you know it, it's not it's not a very pleasant experience 
to say the least, but yeah. Um, so I think, you know, also witnessing, like when my brother first started playing multiplayer games, uh, that those things usually never happened to him. So he had no problem going, even now has no problem going online by himself and, and getting into a multiplayer match on whatever game he's playing. There's less, obviously less stigma there. He, he can get on and feel comfortable playing, but when I go on, I usually, you know, mute my mic. I don't talk to anybody. I just kind of do my own thing. Uh, but yeah, definitely different. <laughs> As a developer now, you were designing like the types of games that you were playing growing up in a multiplayer mm -hmm. environment. Is there something you would do differently with your experience that you've had? Yeah, I'm not too uh, too sure. I think that's something I'd have to like really think about. I guess on the game that we're making now is going to be multiplayer, and you want people to have their freedom and that they're able to talk to each other and all that but also that if you're giving people that freedom obviously there are some people that are going to abuse it and also another thing too is that we are designing a game for vr uh and i don't know if you've heard stories or read stories about as soon as a woman puts on a vr headset uh if there are dudes in the same game that know that she is a woman they'll run over and the first thing they start trying to do is trying to like feel her up in vr space and to, it's to me it's like why would your first thought be to run over and do that like is there no even if it's vr like where's the barrier there like you know this is inappropriate why are you doing it so the game that we're developing it's kind of like a uh, a tabletop game in vr so the the your avatar i guess is just going to be a mask and i think we're thinking about adding hands because there's hands in vr anyway uh but there's no body there and in a lot of games there is so I think without that, it's going to, I don't want to say completely eliminate that problem because there's still the ability that once you find out this person is a, a woman that you're going to, you know, inevitably there's going to be some kind of uh, trash talking or, or bullying or something that happens there. Uh, but at least with this, they're not going to be <laughs> groped in VR space. Like, I, I can't, I still can't get over how completely childish that is. But at least in our game, that's, that part's not going to happen. But uh, you know, I guess that's what the block function or the mute function is for because we're going to be able to mute players uh, in the game. Uh, there's going to be a function for that. So, I guess there are two schools of thoughts, like uh, or, or many, but two that mm -hmm. come to mind. Like one is you put that burden on players to auto censor themselves and you know like trust that they'll mm -hmm. be good, which most yeah. often doesn't work. Yeah. The other is as a developer you're super super like restrictive right so mm -hmm. in the case of something like splatoon for example which was mm -hmm. a very criticized for it you just don't let them have chef right and there's no free communication options um mm -hmm. in the game so you want to communicate and you do it through avatars so where are you in that camp um I think what a lot of people are doing now anyway is that if they're going to be playing with a group of friends they're going to go on some kind of you know, third party chat thing, like either Skype or Discord or just something else. Uh, and then that way, you know exactly who you're playing with. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like the, the restrictions, I guess, on the freedom of being able to, to chat to each other. But at the same time, it feels like the Splatoon community is a lot, lot less toxic than something like the Overwatch community or like the League of Legends community. 
Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that anyway. Uh, and if that's because they took Chad away, then that's, you know, maybe there's something to take from that or something to learn from that. But, yeah. I do think that there is a correlation mm. um, between a community like that being the way it is and others. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I am. I, I guess you have to take into consideration what's your target audience. Yeah. Um, in the case of Platoon, well, you're probably going to have a lot of young kids. And mm-hmm. that's why they did that. And I definitely wouldn't be as happy as I am with that franchise or with the image of it if it had all, all this stuff that you're mentioning because it's so... It makes me sick to my stomach, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's a shame that that women, in a way, are sort of excluded of certain environments just because that's the way it is. You yeah. know what I mean? That's not your place to be. So, And, and the few that are there... They have to put up with all, all these kinds of things. So, so listening, you talk about these things in your voice. I, I sense both this is wrong, but also, uh, well, that's the way it is, right? Like, yeah. You have to live with it, and it's so sad. You know, it's I don't know. The other day, I was seeing like a historical toilet, right? Yeah. And it's it, it there was a signpost there, and it says, "Well, this is a toilet such and such from." these times and then in parentheses it says not for use right mm-hmm. and you see it in like of course but then you think about it and it's like oh you know something happened yeah. you know what i mean the moment you start thinking about this as a developer it's like you don't want this you don't want that you don't want that it's like yeah you're you're protecting your community but also you're acknowledging that these stupid problems exist yeah you, do you see it evolving changing getting better or worse from these you know, early online experiences to when you play games now? In general, uh, women buying games or young girls buying games, I think that's becoming uh, more acceptable, um, as it should, because um, I don't think anybody should feel like they aren't allowed to play them. Like, everybody should play games. You know, they're just as um, immersive as a book or a TV show. You know, but this time you're actually doing the stuff the game you're interacting with the stuff in the environment whereas if you're just reading a book you're just thinking about the the stuff which is fine that's you know i'm not saying one is better than the other and i think that once people realize that games aren't all just for men which you know it's that's happening like when i was younger i didn't feel that stigma so much as i did when i got to high school and then i was like is this really a thing like are we actually you know women work on games too women are in games but women aren't allowed to play games? Like, does that make much sense to <laughs> to anybody? Anyway, um, so I can kind of see where it's getting better, but also now that we have the internet and it, as big as what it is, uh, you're not gonna be able to stop every single person from being a jerk. And that's not to say that, you know, it's just, yeah, listen to me doing the, 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 not all, it's not all just women that get bullied. Like people, other people get bullied online too. Uh, but I think you are more of a, uh, I guess more of a target, yeah, mm-hmm. if you are uh, a woman. I yeah, so. yeah, you have less, less armor anyway. attention that you were like a gamer like as a, like a social you know, tag or whatever did, did it ever I think in 
probably in middle school and yeah I'd say definitely middle school because I had also uh, that I had also moved uh, at the end of uh, elementary school like when that was done we had moved and then I made uh, a bunch of new friends at the new place that I moved to and they were all in the games so yeah and that's the thing too is that when you make friends with people who are gamers they don't see you as like oh you're uh, a woman why are you playing games like they don't see that they you know they'll encourage you like I had lots of uh, male friends who were just like hey let's you know let's go online and play games and and stuff like that and they never saw um, me as somebody who couldn't do it or anything like that they just said oh it's somebody to play games with you know why wouldn't you want to play games with uh, with other people if you enjoy playing it with you know playing games with other people why are you putting restrictions on who you can who you can play with I mean obviously uh, there are different kinds of gamers maybe they annoy you but the fact that if they're uh, male or female should not be a, a basis I guess to decide who you who you should play games with within your friends were you rare as a so-called like gamer girl or um at first i think it started out pretty even i think there were a, f a couple more guys in our friend group than than girls that played games um but the thing was is that you know it started out pretty even and then as uh some of my other female friends got older they, their interest in games kind of started to taper off and i think it's that's where they kind of saw that the I don't want to say that it was more dangerous to play games because you would encounter these things, but it was just more, uh, like, it was just a less uh, pleasant experience to play games online, like, the older you got, because, you know, kids, what are kids going to say to each other that's, you know, I mean, horrible, uh, or more, more, uh, I don't know, I guess insulting than what you would counter when you're older, because if you say this to a kid, like, oh, make me a sandwich, they're not going to get that or understand it right away, at least as far as I've encountered it anyway but when you're older you kind of after a while start to understand those uh intentions and and stuff um and that's like not I'm not trying to put a blanket over the whole thing and saying this is how it is but as far as I've encountered anyway uh my my experiences with it only got and not just mine it was uh, my other friends too like I said when their interest tapered off that uh those experiences got worse and worse as they as they got older because that was when people start forming their own opinions about who can play games and who can't and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. video games right yeah do you think well at least in my generation it definitely mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. like when we were kids like most especially like back in the 80s and the early 90s like games were really um, trendy right so you would get like everybody had a like an NES Super Nintendo mm -hmm. so everybody was into games but then it got to a point where where it was just like another toy and mm -hmm. They moved into some other things, but then 
you know, I never left them, right? And and of, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, of course, I I became a developer. Um, how was that process where you like, you know, your friends were growing out of it, and you were still like even considering it as a career path, or mm-hmm. how how was that for you? Um, you know, I actually never meant to go into games as part of uh, or as my career. I wanted to be just a. I mean, obviously, there's animation in in games and stuff, but I wanted to be like anim- animator for TV or movies or. Uh, whatever but once you actually get in school and then you figure out all the paths that you can take um, and generally growing up like even though there were some people whose interests in in gaming kind of went away I still had a lot of people who were into it you know a lot of people who I could talk to about games and I mean obviously you guys now uh, even though I don't play as many games as I used to but So you're an animator, right? Yeah. Yeah. So two D and three D animator. So what made you go into animation? Yeah. Well, I think um, myself and actually some friends uh, went into it with the idea of, oh, like we like anime and we're gonna get into animation with our crappy anime style and we're gonna go work in Japan. That never panned out, obviously. Uh, and if you have that kind of dream, awesome. Like, you know, if you can work hard to do that, awesome. But it's like, uh, I don't, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not a, I, I don't want to say it's realistic. It's not a realistic thing. Cause obviously there are people who have done it and I've read, uh, actually I read an article about somebody who, uh, was able to do that and they ended up working at, uh, I can't remember where exactly, but it was a pretty big name studio in Japan, and they said that the working there is, like, horrible. Like, the way animators are treated is just absolutely horrible. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of overtime that you're expected to do all this all this junk. Uh, so, obviously, when you hear stuff like that, you get a little scared. Uh, you don't want to do that stuff anymore. And I, th- I think uh, starting out with those, like, those those big dreams and then and then getting to a place where you know what if I can just find a job at a small studio I'll be happy with that um so anime was a big thing right so yeah definitely was the the anime the thinking that we could be anime artists in Japan and and whatever uh that that changes a lot when you get into school and you realize that's not it's not that easy um you know there's definitely a lot of hard work that needs to be done but then you're also open to a lot of different kinds of jobs that maybe you didn't even know existed um stuff like uh being a layout artist which is doing the backgrounds and stuff for uh uh, for animations anything stuff like that um storyboard artist which is uh basically like the planning of an animation before it actually gets to the animation part so you're just drawing out like little uh it, it almost looks like a comic but you're breaking down like the major actions of the animation that's happening uh and it's all timed out and stuff uh, so that's storyboarding and making animatics and stuff. And then there's the actual um, animating. But even then, like, if you're an animator, if you're working at a big studio, most of the time you're not going to do the job from start to finish. Maybe you're a, a key animator, so you're just going to be drawing the keys. And then you're going to hand that off to in-between artists. And then those people are going to do, uh, they're going to draw everything in between those keys that you drew. And then you've got your cleanup artists, which, you know, sometimes they, they do that job too, but then they're also uh, cleaning up the animation. So making it look nice and make sure it's not, you know, uh, rough animation anymore, that kind of thing. 
then there's well that's also ink and paint there's just tons and tons of things and then you've got the 3d side of it which is you know there's a lot of jobs there you can be just a rigger which is your uh basically putting a uh, a skeleton into the into the 3d model that somebody made so that that person is able to animate it 3d animators um also once things are done and animated somebody has to render all of that out uh sometimes if you've got different filters on your scene so you'll just render out each of those filters on their own and then you'll put them all together that's that person is a compositor like there's so many different jobs in animation and it's amazing uh so i think when i got out of school and i had a little bit of i only had a tiny bit of 3d experience but i had some mostly 2d uh knowledge there but then i got hired as a as a 3d uh generalist is what they call it is usually if you're working at a small studio is you do everything I actually like 3D a bit more than I like animating a 2D, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's probably where I guess I decided to do that instead was just because of I got to learn on the job and I thought, hey, this is actually pretty fun and I'm working in mobile games right now, so this is pretty fun too, uh, but yeah. In Before I got to school, I was uh, had my mindset I was going to be an animator in Japan. That didn't work out found out about games and I thought oh this is pretty cool so even though I was in the school for 2D animation and blah 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 I found out that with that skill set with the you know animating and flash and stuff that people were still there are still games that use 2D art the guy who uh was my supervisor at the first studio that I worked at he had actually come in uh on a contract job for about two or three months I think because there was another instructor there that uh took a break from school so he was there to teach us for about a couple months or whatever and uh, I guess from that uh, from seeing like how I worked and stuff that um, you know he was able to to contact me and ask me if I was interested in a job he gave me a, a 3d test because with most uh, animators they give you a test first because they want to see how you work uh, you know how much work you can get done like what points of the work you think are most important to get done first kind of thing uh, and then that's usually how you get picked uh, so I got picked for that because uh, he had kept me in mind and actually I think a couple other people from my class too uh, that he'd sent out these uh, these tests too but yeah I was I was picked and what what impressions did you have of you know the idea of making games before and after um I think I thought it was a lot more I mean still a lot of work but I think I I, uh, I thought it was a lot uh, of work beforehand um the 2D animation, I think it definitely is way more work than 3D. Um, I know there are people who are going to disagree with that, but um, and I don't want to say it's easier either because it, it comes with its own like whole set of different things you got to watch out for, uh, different challenges. Um, oh, um, did, you, did you idealize it before it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think actually a lot of people who go into or who want who um, think about uh, making making games or you know, testing games i think is a big one where they think oh well i'm just gonna play games all day mm -hmm. it's like yes that is the reality of it you're gonna be playing that game all day but you're gonna be playing that same game all day trying to break stuff it's not like you're going in and just playing a game it's like you're looking for stuff to break you're looking for bugs you're looking for you know all of these things uh so i think it's generally not as uh fun as people think it's going to be but uh there are fun aspects to it 
Um, there's also a lot of uh, teamwork involved. I think there's a lot more than what people generally think there is. Um, you know, what happened to me and what I see in other people joining the industry, you think it's all about ideas, you know? Yeah. And as a gamer, I also see, I also tend to, to read and see non-developers when they talk about game development, it's all about like ideas. Like, oh, I have this cool idea and what if this and that and that, you know, very, um, very superficial level. And I see that with new people joining into the industry that they, they're really like keen on like giving their opinion on how this should be this way instead. And, and when you spend some time in the in making games, that's that's rarely about that. You know what I mean? It's rarely about I have this cool idea. It's more about how to make certain things work, very, very specific mm -hmm. things work, very technical in, at moments. Uh, as you said, there's also a lot of teamwork and a lot of uh, convincing people that a certain thing should be this way and not that way. So oh, yeah. you vaguely mentioned it in, I think it was on our second Valentine's Day special when, mm -hmm. when Jordan was there and you were talking about how you first knew of bonus barrels through Jordan, I believe. Yeah. Um, I guess that's still true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but I, I don't think you ever mentioned like how you actually came on, on board. And I never asked. I don't think you were just like there, and I was like, "Cool." <laughs> um, yeah. How was that? You know, process. It was. Uh, I think it was. Uh... <laughs> Here's how it happened. Okay, so I was friends with Jordan, and when I first got hired at where her and and Rob work now. Uh huh through hanging out with Jordan I kind of uh, I don't want to say was more or less bullied into being a friend with uh, with Rob uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just his, his personality I guess uh, is uh, easy to be friends with him mostly because he uh, and this this is all gonna sound horrible uh, but these are actually good points I swear uh, because he does you know talk a lot he jokes a lot um, so it was just kind of easy to, to to fit into that into that friend group uh, just to kind of be assimilated into it, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I think through that, uh, started hanging out with uh, with him and Megan a lot more because Megan was uh, working working there too, uh, and they're both both fantastic people. Even though I don't say as often as I should probably, but I think just just through that, and then eventually it might have been that somebody wasn't able to make it to a show one day, or maybe they just you know you guys were just looking for a guest, or he just wanted to change it up or something. But uh, it was just I think that might have been the first time I met Left too. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but then he was like, "Yeah, you should you should just come on for a a show," and I was like, uh, "I mean, okay, like." I'll try and not be super awkward the whole time. Uh, and then that's uh, how it happened. I just kind of kept coming back. And then there was the joke of Shelby, the uh, the unpaid intern for a little while. Mm 
uh and then just eventually worked into being a just a part of the show so yeah <laughs> what was your preconception of being a podcaster of sorts um i think a lot of it had to do with uh just coming back and i guess generally just enjoying the discussions we had about games uh stuff that i i never talked to other people about before uh not because i didn't want to but it was just because it, we'd never had uh i guess a platform to do it on or just any of that stuff um so and especially at first like now I, I now i don't care uh but before i used to when i listen when i heard my own voice i'd be like oh god like do i actually sound like that and i think for the first time uh for for people hearing their own voices that's what they think like they're like oh my gosh like you know is this even gonna be good like are people gonna you know like that i'm on this now is this you know um but i think what mattered more than what i sounded like was just in general the discussions we we got to have about about games or different elements of games or themes uh in games and and all that so that kept me around has it had any effect on your life like being part of bonus Bell? I think so. I think um, I had gotten to a point in uh, like when I left the the first job that I worked at to come work here. Um, I was at a point where I wasn't really uh, enjoying games as much, I guess. Uh, but then just uh, you know, coming, uh, getting on the show and and being able to talk about them, and then just I guess being able to to rediscover why you like games in the first time or in the first place. And also, uh, you know, when we'd have a game to talk about and discuss on the show to just play that game. So in a way, it's uh, encouraged me to to like games uh, uh, more, um, but also for different reasons uh, and also just in general to play to play more games, um, whereas I was kind of uh, I don't want to say falling out of love with video games, but just at a point where I wasn't enjoying them as much anymore. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that happened to me too. Like, um, I have my very specific taste in games and mm -hmm. I do tend to play the same games again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And because that's what I like, that's what I know. Mm -hmm. Bones World has pushed me to play more games, but also like whenever I, I play a game, I see it as an opportunity to like, oh, I'm going to talk about this in the show. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's yeah. something to gain for it. Mm -hmm. whether in the past I was like, ah, what's the point? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I'll just play whatever I I know and like already. And uh, catching up with the news, stuff like that, something like that mm -hmm. I never, done, never did before. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like constantly reading and trying to find, trying to think about games in a, in a very different way. You know, mm -hmm. finding something interesting, something interesting to say reading more into it and also being a developer um you know helps with that because mm -hmm. you, you tend to see certain things that maybe gamers uh non-developers don't do so that's that's definitely be be uh has been a change and also you know having a, a sort of a following and and i agree with rob that you are the fan favorite like what, what, <laughs> what, what do you think about that i don't i don't know how i feel about that um i mean obviously i, I appreciate it and stuff but it was i th i mean we wouldn't uh uh we wouldn't have gotten anywhere i don't think without i i, I always like to think of rob as like the glue i guess uh, i don't 
I don't know. I just I don't think it's it's fair to to classify somebody as like a favorite. Not not saying that you, like you guys saying that is a thing, but it's just it. I don't know. It just always felt a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. <laughs> kind of don't know what to do. You're like, oh, thank you, but it's like, what else do you? I don't know. I just I don't want to feel like there's more. I guess responsibility of doing stuff or saying stuff or pressure to be somebody you you don't want to be if you're a fan favorite kind of, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I am thankful for everybody who thinks that. Um, <laughs> but you know, either also like you guys have very interesting opinions on on the things that we talk about, and I and I enjoy hearing them. And like I said, like you know, if I am everybody else's fan favorite, like you guys are are my my fan favorites because I like listening <laughs> to what you guys have to say. Like it's just that's why I'm still around. Like I like discussing things with you guys. So yeah. How do you see yourself? In, in the show like what what do you think your role is how do you see yourself as a podcaster and such um in terms of podcasting i just like um uh, in general for for bonus barrel um which we mentioned before but i just like the different uh perspective everybody brings like you know we say uh rob is is the glue so he's always no matter what gonna be there uh for discussions and stuff um he's also an, an artist uh so he's able to bring that to the table too um, you know, left super wild card. Uh, he plays a lot more, I guess, like, well, RTSs and stuff. He's more interested in that than we do. So he brings just that kind of, uh, also, I think PC gaming, like that, just that kind of perspective, uh, to the table. Um, uh, you're a lot, uh, at least from my point of view anyway, uh, a lot more, uh, technically oriented. Uh, and then myself who artist as well animator uh not the same kind of artist as what rob does even though there is some crossover there but there's like the, that different kind of thing and, and then also like the the female voice when we need it but i just like how like diverse our podcast is and uh i think that without it i probably wouldn't like games uh as much as i as i do now so yeah <laughs> That's what I got. this episode of bonus bonus battle having these conversations i find very interesting and i hope you find them interesting as well because maybe there will be more in the future next week the main show and crew will be back as usual with a very interesting topic thanks for listening